Hello and welcome back to the Hansen Cast with me, Emmett Lewis, and my glorious co-host, Mikhail Christiansen. How are things going, Mikhail? Yeah, they are not too bad. Um, for once, actually, they're they're a bit better than than not too bad. I'd say a bit better than a yeah. solid six out of ten. That is like that is a shocker. Yeah, I just got a new place to live, which is which is pretty cool. So I'm really looking forward to to that. Um, and yeah, uh, I'm going to play a bunch of shows in Stockholm starting in two days. Yeah. We have uh, a walkthrough tomorrow at the large house of dance. It's kind of the the, the big the big uh, scene for dance uh, in Stockholm. They also program some circus. Um, I played there before with the same show actually like seven years ago or something no wait it's longer than that eight years ago so that's going to be a blast from the past and uh, yeah uh, otherwise the same shit different day i guess how about <laughs> you you live in a castle now yeah my castle is doing pretty good uh first off just like uh, shout out to all the people who get sent some nice messages after i delivered all my good news very nice to uh get them from everyone so thank you for that uh yeah castle is just going we're slowly going around it and just finding more and more shit that's wrong with it that we have to fix and mm-hmm. to be expected but that's fine yeah. and not having time to do that because we've got other things blocking our time i will actually just give a bit of a warning i have albus dumbledog in the room with me right now in his crate everyone says crate to make it sound like nicer it's his cage he has a fucking cage because he's a demon and we put him in there and he goes to sleep <laughs> Yeah, everyone's like, oh, put my dog in a crate. It's a cage. Let's just call it what it is. So he's in his crate, and he's asleep right now, but he might bark. And you know what? I'm probably not going to bother to edit it out, so I apologize now if I have to shout at my dog. I'll try to do the best I can, but, you know, we'll see what he gets to. Yeah, he he, he can be a demon. How How is the demonization going lately? It's pretty good. Like, his behavior is getting so much better. I think, actually, it's kind of... It's one of these things. We should probably do an episode on... It's been requested on... So, yeah, another thing. Thank you, everyone who gave us the requests on the podcast for different episodes and topics when we asked on the stories. That was super useful. There was one of them, how to choose a coach. So I think we're going to do that soon. But it did really come down to it. Like, it's... You know, I've had dogs before. I've fostered dogs from, like, dog homes. I've had problem dogs as well. But this one was just outside my context of experience. And getting a pro in was mm-hmm. just like, even if it was just, you know, one way of using a coach. It's not like she's coming over every week. She just came in told us, oh, yeah, this is the problem. This is the fix. These are the things you need to do. You were doing the right things or you need to change. You were doing the right thing, but you need to do it in a different way. Blah, blah, blah. And I came in and then a month later, a dog is much, much better behaved. So mm. it is kind of case in point that sometimes you don't need ongoing coaching. You just need someone who knows what the fuck they're doing to come in and go, all that shit yep. you read on the internet is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember when I was in um, in uh, in that when, where was it? You had him first in where the other place you lived, yeah. and he was being a, a full fiend sometimes and just like absolute evil dog. And last time I was there, now hey, he was like just an actual dog. That was rather surprising. Yeah, I know. It's like very yeah. My dog is just he's still like yeah, still a few things to work on, but he's getting much much better. We have a we have a cat now. I'd like to say, like, I don't actually own a cat. A cat turned up and started demanding food. It's just literally... Exactly. Yeah, it's literally just like, as you hear about in the fairy tales, this cat just turned up and was like, give me food. 
and now it turns up. Yeah, but that 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 is my literal favorite thing about cats, like that like unique ability to just like they can show up at someone's house and just demand food and cuddles and to be able to live there rent free, and everyone's fine with it. Like, <laughs> like Im- imagine if humans were about like could just do that to just show up at someone's place and like and you expect to be fed and petted and like like treated like a god and yeah everyone's everyone's just down with it that that's what cats can do it's definitely a superpower yeah it's definitely uh, so we have our yeah our new cat friend who is the dog and the cat are beginning to negotiate the bounds of the relationship which is fine but <laughs> the cat is uh it's very fucking insistent like it's a uh, very it's clearly a stray it's clearly like a field cat or whatever so it's clearly mm-hmm. like it needs its food and i'm feeding it fine but it's like if i it's there in the morning now this is after like five days. It's there in the morning demanding food before I get up. If I don't get up soon enough, to, it's liking it climbs up to our bedroom window and starts meowing outside there. Oh, shit. It, yeah. it knows exactly what it's doing. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's not, this cat is, this cat means business. You will give it food or it will meow until you do. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. But um, I guess as usual, we ramble and then we have topic. Um what are we talking about today? We're talking about the pike handstand. Yay. Oh no, my favorite thing. It is actually one of your favorite the things. The best handstand. Yeah. It is kind of like, I suppose we're talking about the pike handstand. So let's throw out a bit of a definition. And I suppose we'll also include some variations like the seven and smaller pikes and deeper pikes as well, I suppose, for completeness. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think like the vocabulary of it kind of, it it differs a bit like some some like when people say the seven or the pike sometimes they mean the same the same thing but yeah. sometimes they don't yeah so just like a disclaimer there in, in in relation to that so i suppose let us define our pike handstand as a straight handstand where we have aimed to fold at the hips while maintaining all our normal shoulder and back alignment as best we can and fold the hips to the legs being parallel to the ground. Now, if we know anything about physics, which we don't because we're idiots, but we'll pretend we do for a moment, <laughs> is when our arms are vertical to the ground and our legs go to our underbalanced side, something has to alter in our handstand. So what actually happens is, even though it's a straight shape, people think when we say the pike is a straight handstand, it is of the straight handstand family, but I think the shoulders and the arms have to be vertical. Actually, what happens is they have to lean forward to keep the center mass over the hands. So you get a kind of diagonal angle going on. I think this tricks people a little because mm. if you attempt to keep the arms vertical to the ground so that they're making a right angle in your normal handstand shape, but then you lower the legs down, something else has to happen. And this is when I get, I suppose, the... Shoulders are stacked, rib cage is stacked, and then your pike is happening from your lumbar spine, your tracholumbar junctions. So you're gonna get this. This would be this is what I suppose we call a seven. Actually, what I would in my own personal terminology, this is what I would term a seven when it's like, oh, it's kind of like a literally looks like a seven done in italic writing, where we have the arms are vertical, rib cage is vertical, and then from the top of that is the back and the butt are hanging out one side to counterbalance the mass of the legs, and the legs are coming down. Then I suppose we could term what other people might term a seven would be a more hollow back variation where we're pushing the shoulders and the chest and everything into a Mexican handstand configuration, but then flexing the hips down as well. 
Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think that's kind of like where it, it does get a bit confused. Uh, and I think like that, the, the reason the pike is actually maybe even more interesting than the tuck, since it's like it's basically like a tuck, it just showcases it a bit more extreme because there's more weight outside the center. Yeah. Um, but it, it really showcases that like you can sort of, yeah, you can, there are, basically like if you if we assume you keep straight arms there are three ways you can um you can flex the hip to 90 degrees basically if if that is what you if that is what you look for that can be done in three different ways one is then stack, staying stacked like fully mm, keeping the shoulders like the line from hand to hip as intact as possible mm, making that line go diagonal and then you fold at the hips requiring a lot of shoulder flexion you can you can shoot out the chest and shoot out the, or like bend in the lumbar spine and do, yeah, that kind of, um, the kind of uh, Mexican-y version of it. Or you can planche the shoulders and like li- literally just sink the shoulders and lean them forwards to also achieve kind of, you achieve a similar looking geometry, though it's not entirely, um, entirely the same, but the mechanics are very different. Like I even... I made like a post on Instagram, like, like a story thing about it. And there was a guy asking me because like he didn't, he, he, I think he, like he seems pretty knowledgeable, but like he, he, he wondered what I meant about like what is planched shoulders because I was basically demonstrating a pike press and then I was demonstrating a planched pike press. And he was like, yeah, but the shoulders go in front of the hands on both. So what's like, what's the planching part? Um, and like, I think, for for kind of the stacked series of things we we want to keep the shoulder elevation that is kind of the the yeah. the thing that sets that apart um from kind of the planched version um and it, it's kind of in the mid like that's that placement is in the middle of the planche and of the mexican basically and it's it's basically where our where our vertical handstand is it's just a vertical handstand that is flexed at the hip basically yeah so convoluted. Pull your legs down and don't fall. <laughs> yeah, the end. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Yeah. So this is one of the ones like it's kind of you kind of instilled the value of the pike into me as a training methodology. So it was one of those kind of like, you know, personally, like I think the handstand is kind of ugly looking. Pike, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's probably <laughs> heresy, but I don't think it's that for me. I don't think it's that aesthetic a shape. I like the hollow back in the sevens mm. as well. And some people I think can make them very look very nice. But the actual straight shape is like straight bike. Yeah, it never really done anything for me, so I didn't. But then when we were meeting, when we met that time in Berlin many, many years ago, mm. you were kind of talking about like, oh, someone who can who someone who can demonstrate the pike looking at toes generally will be able to maintain their their shoulder position when they're doing weight shifts and other stuff for mm. one arm. So obviously I was like, hmm, here's someone saying something. Let me go confirm the reality of this situation with my students because, you know, we're using tucks, we're using head-ins, not so much, you know, mm. head-ins I put much more in the program after meeting as well, but, you know, mm. still, so I was getting the people I knew who could do one arm and I was getting the people who couldn't and then I was also getting the people who do four fingers and stuff like this or who were working on it. And then I was like, okay, let's see who can actually demonstrate the pike looking at toes I was given like I give myself a rough benchmark. Okay, I don't haven't trained it much with these students. Let's go for 15, 20 seconds. It was kind of a rough benchmark I had in mind to see like who could do it. And there was actually, 
even though the people who are unfamiliar with it, a very clear benchmark of the people who could one arm and the people who are better at four finger support and straight arm support had much clearer pikes and mm. could just do it and had much more endurance in the shape. So then I was like, yeah. okay, we have a bit of a correlation. Let's push it. And then after that, I was pushed. And now it's like, it's a staple feature of the hand balance training I do with people past this, once they get to a certain point. Yeah, I think it's 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 very useful for like the, it's almost kind of diagnostic for um, in in one sense. Like, yeah. I mean, in like if like basically if if you're trying to learn straight shape, like quote unquote good technique one arms, and you cannot pike handstand, you, like you will be getting better at that by or like be, you will be getting better at the one arm progressions you're doing by learning the pike handstand like it's it's almost that uh, that direct correlation um and like and it i find it interesting in the way that like it's it's just kind of a way of supporting the body that you need to learn and and to hold and to control like build a specific strength and mobility and so on but once you have it like once you can hold it for 10 15 20 seconds like it's not something you need to push to a minute or anything like that. It's kind of not that good use of your time. It's more like teaching your body how to support your, like basically it's about teaching your body how to flex the hips and how to bring loads of weight towards underbalance without losing the weight to the heel of the palm. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's more kind of you want the skill component of that and you want to take it with you towards a one-arm uh context because that's also what you need to do in a one arm it's just that it's fucking difficult and you're doing kind of a you're doing a movement over uh, at the same time it's like loads of things are shifting so if if you're if you if you haven't built a a solid way of holding your like keeping the weight centered in the hand when you do so then it's then like then it's going to be really hard to do it and like the pike is just kind of it's diagnostic to uh in regards to your ability to um, to do that, and that that's also where it differs a lot from kind of a a piked a piked position, which is kind of where you have a broken shoulder angle, i.e., like yeah. you, like you, the the shoulders are are far in front, so it's kind of a diagonal line from hand to shoulder, and then there's a vertical line from shoulder to hip, and then then the, um, the there is like a ninety degree bend at the hips. Yeah, and that one with when the shoulders are far front. Like if you're trying to control your your one arm handstands, the underbalance of your one arm handstands with that type of of biomechanic, you you're in trouble. Yeah, like, plain and simple. Yeah, I don't know. If you're a machine, you can get it though. That's the kind of thing. It's inefficient yeah. unless you're beast. Then it's efficient. Yeah, but I think for one arm, like you have so much angle in the wrist. Like if oh yeah, like, for one arm, yeah. Yeah, it, yes. yeah, because like, for, yeah, yeah, it's totally like it was also someone who wrote to me about that, like, yeah, but like, I can only do the like one person said, oh yeah, I can only do the stacked press, and like the other is impossibly difficult, and then someone else writing the opposite, and yeah. all it all it tells is just that that, that like, uh, as as in so many things um, relating to underbalance, like your. Your press, your pike handstand, your tuck, and so on will resemble your handstand. Like it, it will take on the the type of shape or the type of kind of compensation that you're 
your body's used to doing because yeah. when you pike your hips, you're loading your shoulders more. So if your shoulders are are mega beast muscles from from planche, like you'll go in that direction. If you have like literally no muscles in your upper back and you're used to kind of like hanging out in a micro Mexican, you're gonna Mexican it more. And if you're used yeah. to being straight, you're gonna ski you're gonna keep straight. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. It was the same thing I kind of found. It was like there was a very getting someone like in terms of I don't know cost time cost to reward getting someone who can do a pike but is hollow backing it so is arching it in some kind of Mexican configuration either the vertical shoulders or the chest fully true variation and getting them to be able to know the difference between those two shapes getting the back straight and then also being able to choose which one they're doing is fucking mm. magnificent in terms of like getting shoulder power mm. it's definitely one of those ones that yeah, first, yeah particularly for the more flexible it, people it's also, it's also very yeah it's also it's it's really hard to kind of like um discern between what you're kind of doing when you're doing those three ones like from from a from a sensation perspective like because it's especially when you're learning i guess the main focus is just on your hips like get the legs down without falling down and then like sensing what you're actually doing with the upper body might be more uh or like that maybe be a kind of a secondary con uh, consideration uh while in reality if you're trying to learn like presses etc then that should be the primary concern how low the legs go should be a function of yeah of the of the action that you like it should yeah a function of the action of the shoulders of whichever action you're using if you want to pike mexican that's that's great but like it's kind of it's a specific skill um so yeah like i i find it hugely useful not only for like the diagnostics tool but also for it's it's maybe kind of the best one arm or like the best warm-up thing there is like yeah. for, for advanced students like you you want to do kind of your your radar check of the body like and like set, see how it feels well your pike handstand is like if it doesn't feel good then you feel garbage in your pike handstand well you're you're in for a rough day <laughs> <laughs> i think you said something as well at one time well i think it was actually the thing that kind of sold it to me it was like you said uh i have to know before i go on stage i have to just do like one pike handstand and look at toes and even if i don't get a full warm-up yeah. I know I'm good to go. Mm. Yeah, it's it's. I I still use it like on Wednesday when I'm gonna go on stage. That'll be the last thing I do. And it's kind of like to me, of course, it's also a bit like a ritual thing to it. Like yeah. it gives like it calms me and so on. But um, uh, but yeah, there's certainly something to it. And like one one thing that's very interesting, like speaking of um, like w with um, with my never-ending um recovery from injury it's also been really interesting to see that like the like pike looking at toes uh has in periods when my shoulder's been janky been really hard uh, yeah. and that's that's been very interesting for me to feel because like a pike doesn't feel hard uh, but as my head goes through and i'm gonna hold there either it's been like it kind of wobbles and i fall out or i feel like a very distinct kind of like sensation inside my shoulder where it's like i really need to like like I can feel that part activating and having to push a lot, probably in comparison to its uh, strength level post injury. Yeah. Um, 
and that that was just like very very interesting to to notice like yeah the, the pike and kind of a deep tuck with head through like that kind of like extra flexion you need to like pull your shoulder in there that like that was very interesting for me to to experience as someone who's taken the movement for granted for years and years and like like the physical sensation of it is so easy that like you forget how it can be challenging and suddenly like oh hey here here is where you need to work when you have a shoulder that doesn't really want to cooperate with the <laughs> action and that's the case for a lot of people yeah I'm trying to think where we're going to go on this one it's kind of like there is the maximum point of maximum leverage pike but i think the deep pikes as well have a lot of like yeah one of these uh i suppose hard learning moments when we're trying to lower down into a pike hover and not break the shoulder line so mm. this one i find very interesting in terms of looking what people's shoulders do and how long they can say in their kind of elevation in the correct shoulder line whatever that is for that person and then mm. lower down and pull down and compress hard and hard into it and then there's always a certain point where the shoulder will break and as they get stronger mm. it gets lower and lower mm. there is kind of it is one of the things like particularly if you want to start getting into wrist taps and stuff like that obviously you can learn them from the ground up but this way is also another way of learning them but that kind of it's almost like it's looking at what's going on the back is like if you imagine the back is kind of straight then as the legs go down so the hips hit about 90 degrees and then you know depending on your hamstring flexibility then eventually the back is going to have to start rounding and the back will mm. start to round and it starts from like the sacrum and then the rounding wave travels up to the rhomboids and once it starts getting into flirting with the rhomboids you like the rounding could either get to the bottom of them roughly where they are or they could start getting higher up into the sort of making the upper back more kyphotic and then the shoulders go or if you don't have if you don't have like shoulder power then as you lower the shoulders will go forward or sooner to get out of this rhomboid stretch mm. so it is kind of interesting that the muscular the muscularity the musculature of the back is getting stretched more as we bend it and that too means like okay we have to express more force at a longer muscle length to maintain the position or the same amount of force at a longer mm. muscle length so then we're getting into zone where yeah. like, oh suddenly you might be getting weaker because we're getting more elongated mm. yeah and it's it's like um i think also like one thing one, one point where the pike is very interesting and I, i'm like sure many who listen to this can relate and that is like there is the inevitable flexibility issue of the of the hamstrings and of the shoulders um yeah. and like interesting kind of sensations i can describe from like way back when i learned to pike handstand just i learned it random during like when i was training the breakdancing and stuff but um like i remember like yes i could remember that that like when i go down with the legs i would feel kind of the hamstrings like i had to like pull the legs down very hard and have to like really crunch the like by pulling in yeah. with the hip flexors and like crunching the abs to kind of bring the legs down um and yeah that that kind of like also like the lower back kind of screaming as as the as the lower back rounds obviously the the spinal erectors need to be pulling in the opposite direction so that like the legs just don't simply fall down a lot of people will feel it in kind of their low back and kind of around the entire entire hip back area basically <laughs> as they 
they they go into the pike. Uh, some will feel it like basically get full hell through their traps and through their um, like some like in in the deltoids hell of a lot or yeah mid traps like rib cage uh, wrists like there's a lot of stuff going on and it's 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 one of like also as a diagnostics tool it's it's kind of one of the most um, uh, or one of the ones that will display a lot of variation between people a lot since yeah. since like it 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 in a regular straight handstand we're basically operating on the like whatever level of shoulder mobility and strength you have uh, in relation to your technical ability to stay to like to create and and keep a good shape while in the pike like you have to also get into like the the actual like active mobility as the legs go down and also and also of the legs so like you like you'll see kind of a lot of like the body kind of bargaining with the position like one <laughs> of the most classical ones like like you don't there is not a straight knee in sight when people start going down <laughs> with the legs so they they still get the same amount of shoulder work as someone yeah. who's able to keep the legs straight but like they need to squeeze the absolute shit out of their quads and still like there is just too much resistance from the from the the hamstrings like they are basically like there is too much force keeping them in a shortened position for you to be able to straighten them and the funny thing is you can kind of equate that in the shoulders like if your shoulder mobility is, is not uh, good enough like there is for example too basically just too much like your lats are not letting your shoulders go far enough back like they are pulling because i mean you you probably don't have fully relaxed lats either when you handstand they're all kind of stabilizing so in that elongated state they need to be able to 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 stay um engaged and and flexed but allow you to to use all of the the, the movement length and that is like where you'll see all these kind of various compensations that come out yeah. in the process of of people learning the pike. You know, I love to watch when people are learning the pike, the leg seizure. When people like oh, yeah. go down and they get into it when their legs just start like kind of kicking or treading water or like they're staying roughly there or even one of them's just kind of bouncing up and down twitching. Like when, you know, you scratch a dog and it's, its leg starts going as well. It's the same kind of thing mm. in the bike. It doesn't happen for too long, but there's a sweet moment. There's a sweet like window when you're coaching someone when like they get the leg shake in the pike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it it's very uh, and it's so intense too. Like that's yeah. like I remember like a lot of um it's a little bit similar to that kind of like omega quad cramp you get in like straddle L with people in the beginning. Yeah. Where it's just like they hold the straddle and L for like one and a half second, and you you basically shot them in 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 both uh, legs with a gun because it like it all mega cramps so much. It's like there's almost like a kind of similar sensation to that. And um, like one tip I have for that, if you're one of the ones that struggle with keeping straight legs, and this goes for more or more or less straight legs in absolutely anything, like because usually like okay. I am learning a pike. I'm going to do the pike. So I'm going to kick up into handstand. And all my attention is not on the handstand. It's on the pike. So I'm not going to start focusing until I'm on the way into the pike. And that means that I haven't focused on keeping the legs like tight and engaged from the get-go. I go far into it. And then I remember, fuck, I need to straighten my <laughs> legs while you're too far down. 
So like get into the handstand, lock your legs, keep tension in them, like not 100%, like the legs are tense and tight, then move into it because then you actually feel at the, you feel the point where they start bending as well. You can actually sense what's going on yeah. and you will have kind of a better better like idea of, of the lines in space and so on. So it's uh, it's a rather useful one for for these since I mean that that that's that's why the tuck is so um lenient. It's nice to people because <laughs> like we all basically have have at least we have a more similar tuck uh, mobility than we have pike because holy fuck that like I have seen people who will just they 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 would need to be in three car crashes to be able to touch their toes, <laughs> and then you have people who will literally just like be able to look into their own asshole by like yeah with nothing. Yeah, <laughs> and then hopefully you're somewhere in between that, mm -hmm. able to look into your own asshole during a car crash. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, uh, yeah try it. like but bo so, both are not a great idea. Yeah, there's one of the ideas I like to. Yeah, I like to get into when people are learning the pike is just to try and avoid these conversations. Like, okay, like I said, lock your knees and toes, all that. But we can also think of like the legs parallel to the ground. That's our end goal. That's not what we do day one. Well, maybe we can. But if you're training yourself, and particularly if you're free balancing, you could be thinking like, okay, I'm just going to lower down to 45 degrees, 30 degrees. I'm just going to come off axis and hold a, a small pike build up some time there, then go a bit lower, then go a bit lower. Because there's, particularly when you're starting, and particularly if you're like good on your hands, you know what you're doing, and you can balance for a while. The balance isn't too much of a challenge. But bringing the legs down and keeping everything nice is for a lot of you, or can be. So if you just like think, okay, I'm just going to like come down, I'm going to hold halfway, I'm going to build up there. Okay, then I'm going to start going a bit longer, or a bit longer into it, mm. a bit deeper. That was one of the, you know, it's more effective. It's not satisfying. This is the problem because everyone wants to do the, the final boss of the position rather than just like working your way through it. So you've got to grind through the levels a little. But that can be quite good for like not having to deal with all the mistakes at once when you're actually in the pike and just go, okay, I'll get here, I'll hold it. And then work your way down. Yeah. Yeah, I really also like the... Um the wall the wall supported version like yeah. stomach to wall pike handstand but just uh ma make sure that you like i've seen this classic one and which yeah so if if you go on instagram and you search for yoga handstand tutorials and you find by one by some girl in tights who's like measuring the, the basically from, from the wall by sitting down and yeah. then they basically do like a the upper body is fully vertical and then the feet are just on the wall like and even more so, even kind of like hanging the chest towards the wall as in kind of a down dog. Like, yeah, yeah, it, it doesn't really work because like you're you're then you're then keeping kind of your spine entirely vertical with the arms. And then like you have a bend at the hips, but you're not getting that kind of uh, you don't get that lean forwards that is needed to keep it in balance. And if you don't get the lean, then you don't actually get like the strength to counteract the unnecessary unnecessary lean either. So in in kind of the stomach to wall pike handstand, first of all I, I do like to do it with with pointed toes so that you kind of like you start 
a certain distance away from the wall, which you need to kind of test a bit for yourself, depending on your level of flexibility, like the level of your pike at all, and so on. And then you so you start stomach to wall handstand, you're quite far away from that, the wall, and then you slide the legs down. And as the legs go down, you maintain the upwards pressure in the shoulders. Yeah. So, so you kind of, um, you, you, st you stay on top as much as possible. Uh, and, um, yeah, the, the, like you don't even need to go all the way down to get training effect out of this one, which is nice. Then it kind of comes back to like, kind of like, it, it's fine to stay in a less angle than perfect 90 degrees. You're still getting training effect out of it. And it's kind of like a pike wall pike can be kind of looked upon as a, Tuck slide on crack, I'd say. Tuck slide on crack. Yeah, I can see it. It's not even on like it's not even a tuck slide on crack. It's a tuck slide on like angel dust. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty pretty potent exercise, and it'll definitely usually fry people's traps quite a lot. And uh, just like PCP. Yeah, it's just like PCP. Yeah, uh, there is that. Uh, a nice just variation I kind of came up with for playing around with this idea and beginning to learn the balance on it was keeping your foot pointed but letting your toes flex a little bit. So like the pads of your feet are on the wall. Then you can slide mm -hmm. down and then you can just point the toes fully to push yourself off the wall gently, not jumping, gently. And then you're just kind of peeling through to the toenails come into contact and then come off. And it's a good way of learning the balance on it. Mm. I like that one. It's kind of... Yeah, like they're, they're, it's, it, it's, it's quite useful to, to learn it in those types of supported situations. And I mean, like, you're basically doing that thing where you, uh, you, do, you don't need to have um, the... Um, like you, you, you take the setup out of the equation. You take the the balance out of the equation at first, and then, yeah, you you learn to do the shape and like build up the strength and so on. And then, like when you put it into real life later on, it's not as absolutely, or like it, there's not that much at once, so it'll be a bit more manageable to, to kind <laughs> of uh, get into them. Um, and it's it's also funny, like I mean, that's that's a topic for another episode. But like, you could look upon a a figo, a figo is basically, it's it's a twisted seven one arm in one sense, or a twisted pike one arm. Um, like, there's a hell of a lot more going on in a figo, and it's a, yeah, it's an episode for itself because it's a very daunting movement. But yeah, um, yeah it, it's it's uh, it's it's related and. It's funny, like one of those examples I often I use it, I usually use it when I teach workshops and stuff with um with this like the forwards lean in pike versus the the non forwards lean and when with lean I mean like when the when the shoulder line is broken so you kinda of planch the shoulder. Because if you try to do a one arm pike with a planched shoulder, you're in like massive trouble before you even get get there. Yeah. But to do a stacked pike one arm is not that big of a deal like it looks pretty difficult but it's it's really not because just as i said with um with a two arm pike all you want is to to find like to teach your your body like the necessary strength but then just like it's it's kind of a skill thing of being able to to stay there with the with the with the hips piked and because like your ass count like the weight of your ass counteracts the weight of your 
feet and you're you're basically um you're you're basically in fine balance on kind of the horizontal plane um weight wise and then it's like it's 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 not that much heavier than a tuck one arm in many ways to do a pipe one arm and even though it's like it looks impossible for someone who 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 doesn't know what they're looking at yeah no it's definitely uh sorry for hearing that in the background my dog is chasing something in the sleep and barking at us slightly so <laughs> i don't have heard but extremely uh, yeah. smart dog uh, well he's the dog <laughs> he's neither smart nor dumb he just is uh <laughs> yeah those pike one arms they're kind of an interesting one all right gonna say i have something to say about them but not really but they are one of those shapes that just look like it's not possible mm. but then it very easily is yeah and it's like it's it's they are kind of aesthetical if you if you see them from the side but i mean it's but the thing is like that's the problem with a with a pike one arm i think in a, in in kind of a performance or aesthetic context like they're impressive to people that know what it is but otherwise like a like if you see a pike from the side like if you run one or two arms like aesthetically it makes little difference unless you do something with the other arm um so it's kind of like it doesn't have that um that appeal i guess since you can just as you you can create the geometry as effectively if not more effectively on two arms and you're you're not gaining a hell of a lot of of geometrical difference by taking an arm off the floor yeah um in that one but i've seen some really cool stuff with it and like particularly people who are mega flexible so they can kind of all like they can almost do that sort of seven style but on one arm that that can be really cool but um, yeah yeah it, it's it's kind it's kind of far in between them i feel people that do that yeah it's definitely one of those yeah I'm just trying to think of any acts i can even think of that have the pike one arm in it not really. Yeah, it's pretty rare. Like, yeah. Jo- Joey does them really well. She's one of the ones that I know that does them like the best. She's like mega flexible in the spine in that direction, and it just like just folds super neatly and like just very it's very accessible. Um, yeah. But yeah, again, like if if you are one of those who who struggle with tucks on two arms or struggle with pikes on one arm, and you can one arm, but then you start even thinking about pike one arm. You'll probably get cramps in your sleep just from like the thought because like it's going to feel <laughs> so goddamn impossible. Um, there's certainly like a, uh, I think, the amount of power like force production you'll need to, to have to counteract like, uh, like uncooperative shoulders um, in a pike one arm is going to be like yeah, you need to be like have a like, King Kong strength for it. So it's like it's. it's it might just not be your move if if you struggle with those types of positions on two arms. Um, but uh, you need like so yeah, like King Kong strength is... with like ballerina flexibility. Then then we're talking. Then we're talking like um, China level hand balancers. That that's basically what they all have. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what was I supposed to say? Yeah yeah, like this. I think this family of balances are. I mean, it is essentially yeah, it's the same as tuck. It's just more, more, more intense. It also gets into the, the flexibility side of things, uh, which is important. But um, yeah, if if you are anyone who is like on 
mid level or like intermediate level hand balancing and you want to kind of go further and like learn one arms and stuff like that and and if you cannot do the pike yet like it's it's yeah. it's, it's one that like you should you should test your metal against the um, the pike before starting to mess around with a whole lot of of other things because it'll it'll tell you a lot about your readiness like if you if you can't make it 45 degrees down and you feel like you're going to explode in several different places hmm, yeah you yeah. probably have some more prep to do yeah it's definitely one of those ones i think it's noble to get it to about 30 40 seconds yeah noble like if at least if, if if the mechanic is there and like you feel that you're you're solid enough in it, I think it's um, yeah it 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 kind of give you those uh, skill points that you uh, that you need for um, for going further with it. Um, and yeah, like great great diagnostic tool, really good for warm ups, uh, kind of testing your shoulders, pike looking at toes being. The best straight handstand in that exists. Um, the straightest of straight handstands. Yes, I like to call it the straighter than straight handstand because of the the um, it uses the same dynamic. You just need to do a hell of a lot more of it, and like you're putting both head and legs into underbalance, and that makes it like significantly more difficult. But uh, yeah, definitely one of the ones that you should be looking into. Uh, and if you can't do it, it's time. <laughs> You should probably have like a pike handstand challenge, but not like one of these challenges where like people go, look at me, I'm already good at it. More that we'll like go, you have to send us your pike signed off by someone else to say, this is what their pike is. And in six weeks, whoever can do it for a minute gets infinite bragging points. Infinite bragging points. It's amazing. It's the best <laughs> gift you can give people. You can brag about shit. What more do you want in your life? That is like the, that, Bra- bragging rights is, is is the primary reason for all this nonsense. Yeah, exactly. Bragging points. Past, past, a, certain, past a certain point. Once you get skill points, you can convert them in the lobby for bragging points. Instagram being the lobby. Yeah, that is essentially <laughs> our modern day existence. I just summed it up perfectly. And with that, I think we will wrap up the show. Indeed. Yeah, other than that, we will see you next week. The Handstand Cast is brought to you by Handstand Factory and is produced by Motion Impulse. Thanks for tuning in. You can find a full transcript of each episode along with the show notes and any relevant references on handstandfactory.com slash podcast. Thanks to Isaac for editing and Jordan for transcriptions. Music by Daniel Horworth. If you want to support the show, you can buy us a coffee on buymeacoffee.com or consider starting one of our Handstand Factory online programs. Links are in the show notes.